Caution, the Mark Unger Show contains adult content intended for an adult audience. And, besides that, he's really weird. Welcome to the Mark Gunger Show with international marriage speaker and author of Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage, Mark Gunger. This is your source for practical, down-to-earth marriage advice without all the over-spiritualization or romantic nonsense. And now the host of the Mark Gunger Show, Mark Gunger. And the crowd goes wild with delirious joy. They've joined the Mark Gunger Show, the show that deals with all things concerning... Marriage. Marriage. I'm your host, the one, the only Mark Gunger. Joining me is always the very lovely Lady Diane and Philip James Gunger. One more week is incognito, but he should be returning for next Fear week's not, program. Fear not, he shall return. Yeah, the show is engineered, as always, by the very talented, but eerily creepy, Timothy Robert Ray. Sounds like a serial killer. Three first names. Mm-hmm. Timothy Robert Ray, pushing buttons, swissing knobs, and trying to stay awake during this incomprehensively, immeasurably boring show. This is the show that handles your marital challenges, relational conundrums, and dating dilemmas that you can email to us at ask, ASK, at markgungor.com. All right, what do you got for Continuing today? the list of the seven marriage mistakes that even smart couples oh, right. make. This is from last week. The first one to recap, splitting the housework 50-50, waiting till you're in the mood to have sex, assuming a rough patch is the end of the world, staying up to resolve an argument even if it takes all night, and the fifth one, trying to mind read or expecting your partner to do so. <laughs> this one should be obvious, and yet again, we all assume our spouses know we need a hug or a cocktail after a bad day at the office. <laughs> or figure that he'll wash the car on his way past the car wash because it's so obviously dirty. Give your spouse the information he or she needs rather than expecting him or her to know the unknowable. I write about that in my book, uh, The Beatitudes of Marriage. One of the attitudes is be clear. Be clear. Don't expect someone else to know what you're feeling or thinking. If you don't tell them, they don't know. All right. Number six, putting off kind gestures. We think we'll give that well-deserved back rub or watch the kids so she can go out the door for child-free afternoon, but then we flake. The time never seems right. The to-do list remains too long. We think we're great spouses, but sometimes we're just not. The best solution to our procrastination is to devise something economists call commitment devices, ways to force ourselves to commit to things. Send your husband a text promising a back rub and... And you sort of have to do it. Arrange a personal training session for your wife and kids, and then for your wife, then your kids are yours for the afternoon. So don't put off those little things. And the last one, underestimating the power of small changes. Uh, What if you cooked more meals on the weekend or hired an occasional cleaning service so neither of you had to spend your free time scrubbing the sink? Don't always look for the big grand solutions, look for incremental changes that can improve situations. You know, I saw women don't want to handle cleaning, hire cleaning people because they want to clean the house before the cleaning person gets there. That's not me. <laughs> Somebody wants Some to hire a cleaning lady for crazy, me. I'll let you clean my house. Crazy. Oh, well, what are you doing? We got to clean up because the cleaning lady's coming. 
But she's a cleaning lady. Why well, I don't want her to see everything like this. Oh, my goodness gracious. The one thing I will do is pick I up the I don't wash my car before the guy washes my car. But you would take all of the junk out of the back seat if it was going to be vacuumed. Maybe. <laughs> because otherwise, how do they vacuum well all around if you have the whole back seat plop oh, full? Know. Anyway, because I will clean up and declutter just so that the, it There's will be varying clean. degrees of this clearly. Some of it is yes. reasonable, some of it is unreasonable. I'm just shocked at how many women will yes. absolutely not let their husband bring in someone to clean the house. Yeah, no, I because I want a cleaning lady. <laughs> they want to clean it before the cleaning person gets there, and I just think that's a little, I don't know, crazy. Yeah. That is my personal opinion. All right, we're going to jump into your emails right after this break. Mark Gunger. Yeah, we've got an app for that. Download your free Mark Gunger app today. We are back on the Mark Gunger Show, answering your emails about love, marriage, and relationships. Okay, it's a guy writing. Uh, he says, my wife was unfaithful and I left her three months ago. I do not want a divorce. Yes, I am willing to wait. How long? I am not sure. This is really painful for all of our kids. I have heard you say that I cannot ask God to change her will as she has a free will. I get that. But I have heard you also say that I could ask God to salt her oats. So I am not <laughs> sure what I can ask God to help me with with my wife. I have thought about praying that the Holy Spirit convict her and him for that matter. I wonder if I can pray bad things would happen to them to help them go to God, like them having issues with sex, praying for their sex to be bad, losing jobs, basically pain and suffering on them, remove their happiness and that kind of thing. What can I pray? I think you can pray any of those things. It depends on how you pray it. If you're doing it out of bitterness and anger and vengeance, that's going to be bad. No, but, he wants the merit. He wants her back. No, but he I'm saying that. I would absolutely pray that. I pray that they would become miserable. <laughs> That's what Paul said, take an immoral person and turn him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his soul might be saved. What does that mean? That everything in his life would just suck horribly until he decides, man, I don't like this anymore. So I wouldn't be praying the Lord's blessings on them. I would pray that things would go wrong for them. Those people that hear, them, hear me saying this, these words, they'll just flip out. They can't understand these concepts. But where you actually literally find out what's going on in their lives and then pray that things will go badly for them. Again, not out of vengeance or hate, but as a way to motivate them to change. And, and not just that, you know, uh, the strongest personal story I have along these lines is when we were, when our kids were growing up, they were teenagers, my son Philip really hit a, a, a period of time where you could tell he was really falling away from his faith. You can just tell, you can tell these mm -hmm. things. And uh, he's, uh, he's just in a bad place and He's, I don't know, maybe 17 or whatever. And I remember praying, because I've been praying consistently, and I prayed that morning. I said, God, do whatever you have to do to get his attention. And I mean whatever, even if it's seemingly bad by our world, you know, our, our viewpoint. And, uh, and I meant it, and God knew I meant it, and, and God answered the prayer, because that night, all of a sudden, I got a call. And he, he, he said, Dad? I said, yeah. He says, I totaled the car. And uh, I said, what do you mean you totaled the car? Well, I totaled it. Phil, do you know what it means to total a car? Yeah, I figured me crashing a, a fence or something. Said, yeah, I, I think I know what it means. <laughs> so like, well, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I just got a little scratch on my forehead. Well, I think it, he's full of baloney. He doesn't know what he got. So we drive out there to look at my, my BMW, I might add. Cute little white 
nice looking BMW. That's funny you said white because every time I've ever heard you tell that story, I've always pictured it as a black one. That was a white one. I've heard it many times. It was times really cool looking. So in anyway, my mind, it was black. We pull up along the side of the road where it is, and when he, when I saw, you know how people talk about how they hear something really atrocious and their their knees give out, their legs give out. I don't know what that is. I don't know what kind of a human re- response that is. But when I walked around turn and I saw the car, my knees gave out and I almost fell on the ground because it was completely total. I mean, like a an accordion smash. And all I can think of is, oh my gosh, how can they have not gotten hurt? And I mean, the thing is destroyed, totally destroyed. And uh, so, I mean, it was, we were both just devastated looking at this thing. I'm thinking, how is this even possible? He had went flying off the highway, crashed through a tree. He was a young enough tree, broke off the tree, but it smashed. I mean, it is, I don't know what he was doing, what was going on. All I know is, I don't know how anybody would have looked at that. Because you know how you hear these, you see these stories of these terrible cars where people mm-hmm. are killed. And, and they that's what away. it looks like. That's what this looks like. It's completely. Mm-hmm. So we go to the emergency room and we get in there. And uh, he literally, he had a Band-Aid on his forehead. It was a, just a scratch. It's just and I'm saying, do you realize what just happened? Yeah, 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 I'm, I'm pretty lucky, you know. I says, look, you need to ask yourself, was God protecting you or was God trying to get your attention? And his eyes got big as saucers looking at me. And from that day forward, his life totally changed around. And God used that event to bring him to total repentance, and he's been serving God ever since, okay? Would I pray that my son total another car to get his attention? Absolutely, in a heartbeat. But God didn't kill him. It wasn't, a, you know what I'm saying? He protected him through it, the whole thing. But something bad was actually allowed to happen in his life to get his attention. Here's the problem. If everything just keeps going fine in a person's life who's not following God, I think that's the worst thing that can happen. Why would you change? Because you're thinking, man, everything's great. I'm going to keep doing this. I would pray, as Paul said, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, which means everything goes wrong. Flesh destroyed. You know what destroyed means? That it's pretty miserable and painful. Uh, to get their attention. So absolutely, I would be as intentional. As much as you know about their lives, I would pray against it, that things would fail. That and would, would the people that actually happens to actually repent, <laughs> would the, they just... But that's because the, they don't. They don't always. Oh, I know, but you have no control over that. And I'm God saying, knows that. And by the way, you know, I should do a sermon on this, but uh, do you know how to tell if you're praying the right prayer? If it gets answered. If it gets answered. That's what the Bible teaches. He writes and says, this is how we know, I think John wrote, this is how we know that we have the request that we're supposed to be praying when he answers our prayer. Okay, so like in that situation, this guy's situation, you pray, he's praying whatever mm-hmm. would befall them, that God bring whatever you need to to get my mm-hmm. wife's attention. And that doesn't happen, does that mean that he wasn't praying the right prayer? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. If, if this is not the kind of prayer I want you to pray, there's no harm, no foul, mm-hmm. nothing will happen. Lord, I pray you make him absolutely miserable, sick as a dog. Give him erectile dysfunction. His wiener doesn't work. Whatever you got to do, because uh, this stuff happens. And if nothing happens, well, then, okay. I mean, it's, again, as long as you're not doing this hatefully, besides, this is between you and God. You're not getting billboards put up around town saying this is what you're praying. Quietly before you and God, you're trying to get the person's attention. Uh, then all of a sudden, if all of a sudden they start having all these issues and he's in the hospital and the things aren't working and, you know, and the other person leaves them and they're just despair. I mean, it, it sounds like this, people will repent and turn away from their evil. So uh, there's no, you know, it's, it's not like, we're not warlocks. 
We don't, you know, chant incantations over people. And then it's going to happen no matter what. As a Christian, you can pray with confidence knowing that if it's the right prayer, God will answer it. Which, by the way, if you have something you've been praying for and praying for and praying for and there's no indication at all that God is answering your prayer, I would change my prayer. Absolutely. So then address, try and find uh, another way. Find to... another way of coming at it. Try, okay. try another way. And then boom, because that's how you know. When you start asking things in the right way, in the way that God wants to deal with someone, those prayers will start to get answered. It's amazing how few times this is even taught in Christianity. Because there's people who pray constantly for things that never ever happen. They'll spend years, they'll spend 20 years praying for one thing that never happens in any way, shape, or form. There's no indication. God, do this in my life. God, do this in my life. Nothing ever happens. You know, it might be a clue. Hello? Uh, does that make any sense? No, it doesn't to me, but that's okay. Right. I mean, it does, but it doesn't, because it, that seems like a really neat-in-the-box answer. Well, none of these things are neat-in-the-box. Because, of like, say, for instance, you're praying for the salvation of your children, mm-hmm. and you're praying for 40 years. You know, mm-hmm. you're now, for, your, for 60 years, you're 80 and your kids are 60. Yeah. That was the wrong prayer to pray, just because no, it wasn't no, no, answered? No, no, It depends on, uh, a prayer like that is always the right prayer to pray. Well, that's what I'm No, you pray that God, someone gets saved. How is that never God's will for someone to get saved? Well, that's what I mean. And they but there were people, saved. they heard what you said. If it doesn't get answered, you're not praying the right thing. No, no, no. And they well, would interpret I'm talking that about specifics, to mean. Asking God to do specific things in people's lives. And that's such a general prayer. God, do this. God, get him. Uh, get him off of drugs. Get him to uh, whatever. Whatever that, Lord, he has all his whole heart and everything is in his job and stuff. Lord, I pray that you'd make his business fall apart if that's what it takes to get his attention. So sure. people think, oh, that's horrible, that's horrible. There's no fear in praying this because if God doesn't think it's cool, he's not going to answer it anyway. But you'd be surprised how quick you can find how God will respond to people and, uh, and answer specific parts of prayer. God, that they would get saved is such a broad statement. I think if that's all you pray, I think you're really not praying effectively. No, see, this is why, but because what you're saying and what people are hearing you say oh, are that, two different things. That's, that's why I'm trying to that's clarify. That's a consistent truth in life. <laughs> no, no. I would be very specific. Absolutely dead-on specific. God, do, Here's a general prayer. God bless everybody. Well, okay. <laughs> How about we get a little more specific? Than that? I don't think people are, some people are just not very specific at all. Okay, specifically, because we know this is the case for a lot of people, God enable us to conceive. And not say that they waited till they were 38 to mm-hmm. try. Let's say they're 22 and they start trying. So now, you know, 10 years have gone by and they've prayed and prayed and prayed. Help us to conceive, Lord. Help us to conceive. How do you answer that? They were praying the wrong prayer because that wasn't answered? No, because at some point you got to have enough faith. You know, see, this is you're going to mess it up because people, people, I always talk better not to need a miracle than to need a miracle. Okay. Yeah. My thing with the waiting for so long to get married and these people can't have babies and they're so upset and they're crying and crying. You know, I say, why get yourself in that situation in the first place? That's like someone smoking 10 packs of cigarettes a day. They eventually get cancer in their lungs. Can God heal them? Yes, he can. Oh, no, I wasn't and you talking can pray about that. that. No, I'm just saying. You know, you say, well, is it not God's prayer? No, because at some point, it's not about God's prayer. You still have to have faith. Can God help them conceive? Yeah. Anything's possible to him that who believes. You know what you'll find out? It's not so easy to believe. It's a lot yeah. easier to say that, to, you know. No. You have prayer a is just a-, a hard thing for people. And when to say, well, if you pray this and if you pray the right thing, it will get answered. And when it doesn't, they'll think, well, I'm praying the wrong prayer. I I, I don't know. It just it gets very discouraging. You know, it's like, well, I've done everything that Mark Unger said, and I'm praying the way that he's supposed to, and I still didn't get the uh-huh. answer. Yeah, I get it. It is much more complex, complex than... But it's, it's still... <laughs> I still live this way. 
I pray intensely about things. And if they don't happen, I start changing the prayer. I don't give up. Mm-hmm. I start looking at it from a different way. Well, God, move at it this way. Move it. But I'm talking specific. I think prayer is directing the hand. Now we're getting a whole thing about the study on prayer. Uh, you know, how God do it this way or God work in this way. Because I think when you really get in a groove to where you're really lining up with God's will, he starts answering those prayers and specific things happen. That's why John wrote, this is how we know we're praying the right prayers. Because God mm-hmm. answers them. The question is, what happens when God isn't answering a prayer? Well, you really only have two answers. One, either you're praying the wrong prayer, or two, you don't have any faith for whatever. And Ouch. I don't have the... Ouch! Well, yeah, no. Sometimes it could be that God has a different plan in mind than what you want. Which it's not is, just you don't have enough faith. No, 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 you didn't hear me. Either you're praying the wrong thing, yeah. maybe that's not what God's planned for you, i.e. the wrong thing. Those are the only two answers. Either you're praying the wrong thing, or you're praying in a way that's not really effective faith. Okay. A lot of people's prayers, version of praying is crying. No, I get it. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. Oh, and they come for 20 years. Oh, God, help me. I don't want this thing. I don't want to die. And then they die anyway. Well, I got news for you. That isn't faith. It's just not. Did God want you to die? No. Then I can answer the prayer, because you're more fearful than faithful. At some point, you have to have enough faith. And Jesus says if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. There's only two ways you're not getting answers to prayer. You're either praying the wrong thing, which is praying something that, you know, Lord, I pray that, you know, my next-door neighbor, uh, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> wife will die so I can marry her husband. <laughs> Well, well, I'm that's... not talking about absurd prayers. <laughs> Are you kidding? I've heard I all know kinds of stuff. It, but that's I'm not just, what I am referring I'm to. I'm just saying, why wouldn't God answer a prayer like that? Is it a lack of faith? No. It's an inappropriate prayer. Sometimes God doesn't want to move in a certain way in someone's life. You need to be aware of it. This is how you know you're praying the right thing. Either I lack faith and I need to grow in faith, and that's a whole different thing and easier to talk about than to do, or you're praying the wrong prayer. Why the other reason? Why, God, why wouldn't God answer a prayer? There's only two reasons. Either you're praying the wrong way, or or asking for something that he doesn't want you to do, or you're not praying with enough faith. Do you know how many people pray to win the lottery? Yeah. Why doesn't God answer those prayers? Jesus said, if you ask, God will answer you. Well, James finally cleared it up. He says, you're praying because your prayers aren't getting answered because you're praying for the wrong reason. you got the wrong motives. There's only two reasons. Either you're praying for the wrong thing, or you're lacking the faith. I'm pretty sure that someone getting saved would be pretty much in the category of praying the right thing. And I would pray specifically as I can, God, do whatever you got to do to get their attention. Do this or do that. And just, you can actually have fun looking for ways for God to intervene, and, and God will show them doing neat things. But if you're praying for things that are going bad for someone and they never go bad for someone, <laughs> well, yeah, and then you have to know your heart. Are you doing this out of vengeance? Some people would. God, I just pray, you know, that him and that girlfriend of his will just all drop over dead from syphilis or something. Well, that's not a good prayer. Now you're just being vengeful. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we're obviously way into the weeds in this, and I don't know how anybody, many people even understood what I said, because Diane still doesn't know what I said. We'll take a break and be back with more right after this. Attend Mark's Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage event. Visit LaughYourWay.com for upcoming dates and locations. We are back on the Mark Gunner Show. Talking about love, marriage, and relationships really a long trail on, on prayer. But, you know, I think it's legit because a lot of people do struggle and they think that, uh, 
you know, they go to movies like the, whatever they call the, the War Room and prayer will just change everything. And it's just not that simple. It gets rather complicated. You're supposed to confront people about things. There's all kinds of stuff. Uh, Daniel during the break said, faith without works is dead. You can have faith, but then if you don't do the right things to support that faith, it's not worth anything. Well, that's frustrating. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a little complicated. You got to have the faith. You got to be praying the right way. And here's the one catch that always people will always stumble over. When you start praying that God will make someone do something they don't want to do, you're on weak territory because of what this guy pointed out. God doesn't... Everybody has free will. You don't want to serve God. You, if you want to die and go to hell, God will let you die and go to hell. It's the reality of it. It is what it is. That's why people who spend all the time trying to change how someone else feels and this and that is, you know, I think it's okay, but you just understand there's, there's limits to that. That's why... I use the analogy which he brought up. You know, you can't force a horse to drink water, but you can put salt in his oats that eventually he'll want. So the kind of prayers that I pray, look for prayers, are things that will happen in someone's life that cause them to desire to want to turn to God. And even then, they might still refuse to turn to God. Anybody heard of Pharaoh? All the stuff that happened, and he just kept hardening his heart. No matter what God did, God kept hardening his heart. At some point, you can't get God to make anybody do anything. And if you think your version of prayer in your marriage is to just make somebody do something that they don't want to do, uh, not very likely. You can, however, pray God will get their attention and uh, cause a certain amounts of difficulty. Again, not from an evil perspective, but just, you know, I'm telling you, if people who are doing evil do nothing but succeed and have everything they want in life, their chances of repenting are highly unlikely. In most people's testimonies, what do you hear? My life was awful. I was struggling. I was on the verge of divorce. I was on the verge of suicide. I tried to commit suicide. I was a drug addict. I was this. I, I became. I was so lonely. I was empty. These are people, their lives suck. Everything gets, a, and they finally, in their desperation, reach out to a loving God who wants to take them in right away. So I pray a certain amount of suck into people's lives to try and point them to God. But even then, you can't force anybody to change their behavior. This is true in marriage. And why just prayer in and of itself in that situation isn't always the best course. You've got, you got someone who's acting badly, uh, committing adultery, lying, stealing, cheating, or just retreating to the war room in your prayer closet isn't just the only answer. The Bible talks about confronting them, doing all these different things. It gets a little complex. That's why you need to ask for advice, help, and support from your faith community. We'll be back with more emails right after this. Caution, the Mark Hunger Show contains adult content intended for an adult audience. Never easy, never say. Never so easy. Life is never easy. But it beats the alternative. <laughs> Which is sickness and death and destruction. Prayer, prayer. From the broadest, broadest statement, the only two reasons prayers don't get answered is because you're not praying the right thing. Or you're not praying in faith. Easy said, and all that is true when you boil it down to, but how do you get to the resolution to find out what? It's got to ask for advice. You got to help people. You got to study the scriptures, help God to make things clear to you. I mean, it is what it is. And I'm surprised how many people are devastated by this. Are you saying I don't have enough faith? I, how's that an insult to anybody? I would freely admit I don't have enough faith to move a mountain. I've never seen a mountain and said, you know, I don't want to drive around this thing. Just get out of the way. <laughs> You know, Jesus said nothing is impossible to him that believes. Well, that means a lot of us, most of don't us, believe. don't believe at some level. 
How's this sense? Why? These people are devil. You're saying I don't have enough faith. Said, well, I'm not really saying it because I don't know you and I don't know what you're going through, but chances are, yeah, that's a very real possibility. How's this devastating? You're saying I don't have enough faith. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, because that's, maybe that's, they genuinely believe they have all the faith that they can possibly muster, and they've read the verse, all you have to have is the faith of a mustard seed, and they figure they've got at least that much. Okay, so you're praying for the, the bobblehead to move. Now, either God doesn't want the bobblehead to move, or you don't have enough faith to move it, or God wants you to move the stupid bobblehead yourself. I don't know. Which, if he wants you to move yourself, which means you're not praying the right way. Don't get mad about prayer. It's just that it's that simple. It boils down to that. Now, figuring that out and getting the clarity of that is not all that simple. You know, but I always tell people, when people ask you to pray for them, ask questions. What do you mean pray? Don't just quickly pray for people. I've I've been saying that I've been saying this all year. I was at a pastor's conference in Kentucky not long ago, and I got for all these pastors that said, listen, y'all you gotta quit praying for people. And they just looked at me and I said, no, 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 I mean, pray for them, but not, don't be so quick to pray for them. Ask questions. Find out what's going on. Like the lady praying, she was all upset and God's not answering her prayers and stuff like that. And I know some people say, well, let's pray right now. Oh, God, answer her prayers. We pray. No, no, no. Ask questions. I started asking, what, what do you mean? Well, I don't want to say, well, <laughs> I can't help you. Finally, said, well, you know, I want him to leave his wife and come to me. Well, God's not going to give you that prayer. God doesn't. Answer prayers for adultery, okay? Another guy coming to my church, sitting there with tears, he's all depressed. He waves me down after a service of pastor, can you pray for me? I feel so, I'm struggling with guilt and condemnation. You know how many Christians and pastors that immediately stop praying. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I rebuke this depression and I pray. Listen, before you go praying, ask questions. What are you talking about? Well, I just feel all this guilt. Why do you feel guilty? Turns out he'd moved to town and he was having sex with somebody else's wife. Well, you're supposed to feel guilty for heaven's sakes. I'm not going to pray for that. I pray you need to repent. Another lady comes, oh, pastor, we're struggling with finances. You know how many guys would immediately, oh, let's pray right now. Let's agree together. Start quoting all the scripture verses on prayer and God will meet all your needs according to Christ. Really? Slow down a minute. It's not going to kill you. Ask a few questions. Do you have a good job? Yeah. Does you have a good job? Yeah. You're normally a normal circumstance. Can you pay your bills? Yeah. Well, what's the problem? Well, it, you know, we like to go gambling. And sometimes we lose a lot of money and then we have a start. Well, I'm not going to pray God to bless you financially if you're throwing your money away in a casino. How about you stop? These are the kind of questions that doesn't take long. And I promise you, I, and this is very radical because the number of churches that do this is stunning. At the end of the service in America, because we have really short services because we don't want to do long services anymore. We have hour-long services, and then to make up for the fact that we don't slow down enough to pray for people, we say, like, if you'd like to have prayer, the elders are going to come forward. Please come forward for prayer. And people all line up, and they're just tick, 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 tick. And every time I see that, I just groan inside. I go, oh, dear Jesus. Because what's happening is they're not asking questions. They just quick come out, whatever they're crazy. Oh, I'm feeling really guilty. Oh, we're going to pray the Lord take away for your guilt and stuff like that. And the guy walks away, and he keeps screwing some other guy's wife. Why? Because you took away his guilt in prayer. You know, I'm struggling in finance. Oh, let's pray for your finance. Goes, and, goes to the casino that night and blows more money. Sometimes our prayers actually seal people in their stupidity. Don't do that. I'm totally opposed to these. You know, not opposed. Like I'm going to protest anything. But I, we don't do that at our church, man. We don't just come forward and have a quick prayer. You can come forward for prayer. But my church is instructed, ask questions. 
I'm sick. Why are you sick? Well, I smoke five packs of cigarettes a day. Well, how about you stop that? Let's pray about that. Oh, no, I, I don't want to quit smoking. I just want God to heal me. That's literally what people think. So everybody's got their twist on stuff. You know, you just, you got to ask questions. Don't just, the Bible says, don't lay hands on people suddenly. What does that mean? Don't be quick to spiritually connect with people that you don't know what the heck's going on in their lives. Ask questions. Most of the time, they won't want to give you the answers. Well, if I'm asking you questions, you're not answering me. I got news for you. I ain't praying for you. And that's all there is to that. All right, what do you got? Okay, she says, my husband always tells me when he wants to lose weight. He expects me to help. Like by cooking healthy meals, no junk food around, helping motivate him, and he wants to help me. But there's no way in the world I'm ever telling him when I want to lose weight again. She wants to know, is any of this healthy? Should couples in general include each other in self-help type endeavors? Or is this only for truly healthy and mature couples? Because this codependent fixing thing drives me nuts, she says. (laughs) We'll talk to him about it. Generally speaking, in a healthy marriage, if I say to my wife, you know what? I need to lose weight. We got to quit eating such and such and such. She would be kind enough to accommodate that. Now, if I'm a codependent psycho and just playing games, at some point she won't put up with it. So I can't answer your question specifically because I don't know about you. Sounds to me like you got deeper issues. But yes, normally can you accommodate one another, diets and, and stuff to help them achieve their goals? Of course you can. But I would say that the opposite spouse should never say, here, honey, let me help you lose weight. <laughs> no, I don't think I think that that's a bad idea. Yeah, if that's what he's doing, he's a moron. Here, let me help hey, you. Baby, let me look, tell you what you should eat. You look a little fat there. Maybe I can help you out. That's not a good yeah. idea, okay? Uh, how about you mind your own business? If you ask your spouse to help you with your business, I'm all fine with that. What I don't think is a good idea is trying to tell your spouse how you're going to help them with their business. That I don't think is a good idea. Yeah, all right? That works. Okay, he says, I have a huge problem and I need a little help. I'm a newborn Christian. I'm married for several months, but I still can't finish intercourse with my wife. Mm -hmm. She is sexy to me. She turns me on and we have long intercourse, but I just can't finish. The problem is that for my whole life, I wasn't having sex and the idea of sex for me was masturbation. And Mm -hmm. sadly, from time to time with a little porn, he says. So my problem Mm -hmm. is that today I just can't ejaculate because when I masturbate, my hand, you know... Has more pressure. ...than his wife's vagina. Mm -hmm. And sadly... um, Let's flip the page here. Uh, So he says, I think the stimulation with the vagina is not enough for me. Mm -hmm. I think the other bigger problem is a pathological... Is pathological... Oh, sorry, psychological. That's misspelled. (laughs) Psychological. He's a pathological killer. Because I feel joy when I get to the point of finish, but my brain just won't pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. He says, I sadly have to finish in a secret place, and then sex is still something dirty in my mind because masturbation is from my past. Mm-hmm. Something my brain just wants to do it the old way because it's really fast to get to the finish line, but I know that's not the solution. How do I fix my problem? All right, so I hope everybody who does this masturbation thing listens to this. This is what we're talking about. This is the stories that people need to hear. This absolutely wrecks people's sex lives. You tell young teenage boys that you get to the point where you have sex with wood and nothing will happen, I promise you that gets their attention. They're not hearing these stories. This is what happens over and over and over again. In your particular case, what you have to do is you have to go cold turkey. You've only been married for a few months, but it's going to hurt like crazy. It's going to be very uncomfortable, and you need to explain to your wife your problem. See, the only way I can do this is I have to stop masturbating. But you don't stop. You have sex with your wife, and then you go off in the corner and masturbate. Stop. Stop. 
Well, I can't reach an agreement. Well, good. You can't. It is what it is for right now. Leave the masturbating alone. If you will leave it alone, your body will heal, and then you can start having normal sex. But you won't wait. you got to go over and go play with yourself some more. Yes, you've totally conditioned your penis to respond to your hand, which is one of the absurd things about masturbating. There's not anything close between a vagina and a hand. Millions, countless millions of young men today are training their bodies to respond to their hand, and when they try to do it with a vagina, nothing happens. That's what I talk about all the time. This is why you don't do it. Now, in your case, if you've done it, you need to stop. You still haven't stopped. You make love to your wife and, you know, we'll and finally yourself. you got to go gonna fix it. You're still, that means you might go months and months and months without attaining, having any kind of sexual release. At some point, your body will heal. Look, you could be a hardcore, hardcore heroin shooting addict today. And one year from today, be totally normal again. Because people heal. If you'll stop injecting yourself with the drug, it'll be painful but you will heal, and then you can function as a normal person. If you have conditioned your penis to the use of your hand, all the more reason, stop it. Don't do it anymore. Not from this day forward. You will never masturbate again. You are done with it. Now, that means you might have sex with your wife for the next few months, just for her benefit, but you still won't reach it. Well, that's, you know, just wait. At some point, you will heal, and you'll start responding to her in a normal way. But you will never heal. If you keep doing this, it's like a heroin addict who says, you know, I quit taking heroin and stuff like this. And, you know, but every once in a while I got to run off, you know, when I get real nervous and shoot up a little bit in the bag. <laughs> well, you're not going to heal. Mm-mm. You're not going to heal. You're going to stay where you're at. Uh, you've got to stop. Your worst enemy is the fact that you keep wrapping your hand around your willy. You stop that. And at some point, your willy will start responding and acting in a normal way. It might take you a year. Go for a year without any kind of sexual release. I promise at some point his body will catch up mm-hmm. and it'll start working normally. But you've got to stop the, the hand love. All right? For heaven's sakes. We'll take a break and be back with another segment right after this. Want more of Mark? Visit markgunger.com. There you will find everything that Mark has to offer. What will you say when the blues come? I'll just say, well, it's a blue day. <laughs> Tomorrow's always another day. You ever have a bad day? No, never. Does it bother you? Does it bother you when you have a bad day? Nope, never had a bad day. Never had a bad day? Nope. Every day is rainbows and butterflies. You need to be able to learn to be okay, not to be okay. There's days that are just absolutely horrible for me, and I don't panic, because I figure I'll still be alive tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe not the day. All right, what do you got? She says, my husband and I married almost six years, recently became foster parents to a 16-year-old boy. Since he moved in, my husband is more reluctant to make love to me. He says it's because our bedroom is right next to our foster son's room. Okay. I am perfectly okay with having sex with my husband while our foster son is in the next room, so how can I convince my husband to be okay with it also? I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. Work it out. I can see him being a little more reticent because there's a 
and it's not even your own kid. It's another right. kid, and he's right next door. And I don't want me, ha- me ha- having sex with my wife, and yeah. I'll creep and put thoughts into his head. I mean, yes, how that about would you? be a little weird. Yeah, how about you have sex when the kid isn't there? Can they do that? I would assume he's there the bulk of the time. I don't know. I'd work that out. <laughs> he's got to be gone sometime. <laughs> right? Or, I don't know. <laughs> There's people... I mean, they're so into a routine. If they don't have sex exactly at the same time every day, then it can't possibly happen. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe the only time they have sex is when they first go down to bed, you know? Why don't you have sex? Four in the morning. <laughs> when the kid's knocked out cold. I promise you, I'd find a way. <laughs> I guarantee you. I would. Where there is a will... There's a way. The thing is, you can't just diss your husband and say, oh, who cares? I want to have sex. Yeah, who cares if he can hear us? You know, that's freaking him out. Most women would understand that in the reverse. They wouldn't want to do it if they knew somebody else would hear them. So you guys got to work it out. Figure well, it and out. if he's really hyper-stressed about it and doesn't want to do it, it ain't going to work for him to, oh, I know. <laughs> even to like, be able to do it. Yeah. It's like, sorry, it ain't happening. A kid, what? I don't know any kids there all the time. It's one of the problems. Kids go run all over the place. You don't know where they're half the time. Not well. Foster kids aren't supposed to. I mean, it's pretty regulated. They have to be there the entire time. Pretty regulated, yeah, yeah. That's there because they have issues to begin with. So it's supposed to be fairly regulated. I mean, they go to school, but if these two are working during the day, yeah, I guess I don't. Well, you know. I don't know these people. I, I, I'm always speaking in the lives that you don't know anything about these people. Maybe this is one of the reasons you wouldn't take in a foster kid. Maybe that's an answer. No. You, I don't know. Or how about you put him in a room that's not next to yours? Is it the only room in the house? It could be. Move him in a different room. I'm just saying. If it turns out that you live in a tent. Throw a mattress on the basement floor in the far corner away from the kid's room and make that your little love shack. <laughs> I'm just saying, at some point, you don't take... I mean, if it's literally impossible for you to function, you live in a tent, and if you're taking somebody into your tent, they're actually living in a, uh, uh, on an air mattress right next to your bed, that's probably going to negatively affect your sex life. Oh, there's some people that have no problem with that. Well, I'm saying, but those who would, I know. then those are the people who shouldn't take anybody in their tent. Right. And others wouldn't have a problem with it. Right. They figure it out. I would figure it out. <laughs> okay. But if it's a problem, maybe you guys shouldn't have been taking it. I'm serious. I don't know. I don't know your life. You don't have another room. All I know is this. You take somebody into your home, and now your sex life goes to pieces, your marriage falls apart. You're a moron. You don't bring people in your home if you don't know how to function in that scenario, you've got to think it through. Maybe having paper-thin rooms and the only room available is right next to your bed. Maybe that wasn't a good idea. Just saying. Let's take a break. Be back with our final segment right after this. Have a marriage dilemma? Email your questions to ask at markgunger.com and Mark can answer them during one of our shows. Music of Michael O'Brien. Check it out. Michael O.org. 
I love that guy playing, appearing with Michael in Chattanooga, Tennessee, end of the month of October. You know what is it? 27th, 27th of October. If you're anywhere in the area, go check us out. It's uh, for an event called, what's it called? Um, if you give me one minute, <laughs> I might be able to find it. Families first. For, what is it? Uh, is that Chattanooga? Yeah. First things. First things first. First things first. Chattanooga, Tennessee. First things first. Dot org. Check it out. October twenty seventh. You can come join us in Chattanooga. Of course, if this show is a repeat and you're listening in July <laughs> or January, don't look it up. It won't be there. All okay. right. Uh, this is a guy writing. He says, I was going out with a young lady for about 11 months. I was the introvert and she was the extrovert in the relationship. She mm-hmm. randomly decided to break up with me and told me she felt this way for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. She also mentioned that the reason is she felt we were too different personality-wise. She basically indirectly said that I wasn't man enough. I basically Ooh. didn't have a backbone. Ew. He said not in those words, but basically that's what he got out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already knew from the beginning that I have to be more bold and assertive. I mentioned Uh that I knew my weaknesses and that I'm trying to work on them. One of my issues I have with the breaking up is is that I feel like she didn't want to work things out like a normal couple does. She also has weak spots and I consciously said to myself we will deal with it as things work out. Mm -hmm. One problem she has is she's stubborn so she can say that she wants someone who's assertive but she doesn't like to back down in a fight anyway. Mm -hmm. So I feel like my ego has been bruised because she essentially said I'm not man enough. Mm -hmm. Don't know what to do. I don't know if she comes back to me because I still have feelings for her. What would I do? Okay. I would lick your wounds and move on. Okay. What you're doing though is the wrong thing. You're thinking you need to become something that you're not. No, you don't. You do not. And here's the thing. No matter how hard you try to be something that you're not, I'm going to learn to be more supportive and more assertive, and I'm going to be, because the stuff that she said to you, it'll never happen. Not to discourage you, but it's just never going to happen. How about you just be you? How about you find a girl who loves you being you? And it is what it is. So the good news, that's what the dating process, why is everybody so devastated in this dating process? It doesn't work out during the day. You know what's worse? Getting married and finding out it doesn't work. That! That is really bad. When you have a dating problem and it doesn't work out, thank God. Kiss the heavens. Do a jig in your backyard. Preferably dance clothed. But if it's late at night, you can even dance naked back there. As long as the neighbors don't hear, I don't care. Dance, celebrate, be happy, kiss the heavens, and thank God that it fell apart so you can move on and find somebody else. Don't be devastated because some dating thing didn't work out. You guys, that's what dating is for, to find out what works and what doesn't work. You say, well, I really like that person, but they didn't like me. Well, that's the time to find out when you're dating. She doesn't like you and she thinks... (laughs) You're not a man. Man, thank God. You should be, thank you, God, she's gone. That's what you should be thinking. Find another girl. It's just that simple. Not that it's simple, but that's what you do. You know, sit around depressed. I'm going to become something. And I want to be more like Mark Gunger because I'm more like Mark Gunger and obnoxious and in her face. She'll love me. No, she won't. The reality is the more she runs into somebody like herself, the more miserable she will be. But that's her problem, not your problem. When you are dating, all you daters out there, for heaven's sakes, when you run it, and here's the thing that drives me crazy, is the dating people who call us wanting uh, uh, relationship advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fix it. No, 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 no. If I had an answer, I wouldn't give it to you. <laughs> we don't do relationship advice for couples. If you need counseling when you're dating, you need to be horsewhipped. You need to just stop. Break it off. If you think you're going to have a good marriage because you get counseling during your dating, but you're delusional. 
When you're having serious problems dating, you break it off. You go find somebody else. That's the purpose of the dating period. Get out there, see if this works with this person. When you find out it doesn't work with the person, thanks be to God, get out of there, run for your life, and find someone else that it does work with. And it does. There's all kinds of people out there. Just move on. Don't. Don't get obsessive. Because after 11 months into dating, some chick dumps you or some guy dumps you or you're having all these problems. When you're having these problems, don't be looking for solutions. Now, if you're married, you have to look for solutions. <laughs> you have to. Mm -hmm. You're married. You made a commitment. You made a big vow. You're in this legally up to your eyeballs. All right, give me a call. We'll work that out for you. But not when you're dating. When you run into a wall and you have all these broken issues, just break it off. And thank God that you weren't married to them. Well, my heart hurts. I know, sweetheart, but they'll heal. Everything heals. I could break your arm today. For example, for, we could take Diane and beat her with a brick until she's all broken in her arm. We should do that just for a lesson, an object lesson, object lesson. And, then, and, and it will hurt for a while. It will. But you know what? Assuming they can set it, mm -hmm. depending on the damage that I've done, you'll heal. Everybody heals. It just takes time. You'll be fine. Don't force things. People, listen to me. Do not force things in the dating process. Go and get my new book on dating, Being Found. Go online. You can buy it today. See ya.